This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. It's Sam Adams. We're constantly improving who we are, what we do, and how we brew. We may craft over 60 styles of beer, but it's Boston Lager that has captured the heart of America since 1984. With its deep amber color, caramel notes, and signature hop character, what better to have in your pint glass? Sam Adams Boston Lager. Pursue better. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass. Stay responsibly. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ Rotowire's Hockey Podcast Show. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22, and I'm joined, as usual, by AJ Scholes, who's an excellent follow for hockey fans at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. And regular listeners of ours missed out on you in last Thursday's NHL DFS pod uh, AJ, can you give us a report on what uh, what caused your absence? Was it a happy occasion or what? Yeah, I was uh, I was up in northern Wisconsin at uh, what's called the American Berkebiner. It's the largest cross country ski race in North America. I was supposed to do the 29 kilometer distance, uh, but unfortunately, there wasn't enough snow up there with uh, some of the rain and warm weather they've been having. So uh, they had to cancel the race, unfortunately. But uh, got to spend some time with with family and friends uh celebrated my my birthday as well um and so yeah it's a good good trip all around even though the the race got canceled yeah i'm sorry about that but we found out that we share the same birthday although i'm a few years older than you and uh, <laughs> I, I know i had a very good time with my celebrations just as you did too i went to a couple of games at the air canada center featuring the leafs and the raptors was thoroughly entertained and of course did the family and friends thing in between so it was a good time for both of us but uh, boy talk about good times for both of us uh, I don't get more excited than around the trade deadline uh, on the calendar for, for sports in the NHL, AJ. And I know you feel the same way. So we got a lot to talk about there. But uh, I, I'd like you to give our uh, listeners a bit of a heads up on uh, some other important information. Yeah, as always, you know, before we uh, start the start the show here today, I wanted to just remind the listeners that throughout the week, uh, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey or just hockey in general uh feel free to tweet at us and we'll try and answer your questions either during the week or during one of our shows as as paul mentioned you can follow me at aj souls 24 and you can follow paul the Statsman at Statsman 22 all right and we really appreciate the fact that uh, a lot of uh, our listeners are taking us into their confidence and helping them make some key decisions in their rosters we're happy to provide that feedback on a daily basis we're pretty good on the turnaround time too so don't forget to tweet at us with any questions you might have right around this important time of the year in your season long pools or even for daily concerns if you're uh, looking for making decisions when we're on the air uh, in any case let's jump in aj there's been a flurry of trade activity ahead of tomorrow's deadline i know i'm going to be in front of the tv watching the show here uh, it's a day-long affair in canada and i'm sure you can find coverages in the states with the same kind of focus but there's a whole host of transactions that we got to address that will have a fantasy impact. Why don't we begin with a team that's close to your heart, the Pittsburgh Penguins, picking up Ron Hainsey. What can you tell me about that trade? 
Yeah, I mean, Hainsey's not uh, not a prolific scorer. He hasn't reached the 20-point mark uh, since the 09-10 season, but that's really not what the Pens need right now. Um, they're really just looking for an experienced stopgap with Latang out and Daly and Mata are both on IR. Um, as far as what they gave up, Danny Cristo and a 2017 second-round pick. I mean, Cristo's only been with the Pens organization since November. He really hasn't done much in, in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, just 11 points in 32 games. So uh, not a huge detriment to them either. Uh, ultimately, if I have to pick a winner, I, I think I'm going to pick pick Pittsburgh in this one. Uh, they're not giving up a ton, in, in my opinion, and they're getting a solid defenseman who can help uh, kind of stem the tide until they get healthy again. Well, and I, I love that trade for the Penguins. It's typical of a number of trades that you're going to see at this time of year where they're trying to add some depth teams that are expecting to go deep in the playoffs because that is a war. I call it a war of attrition, AJ. And you've got to have a lot of extra bodies just hanging around in case there are injuries. And we know the Flyer, the Penguins' defense has been banged up almost all season long. And I wonder if they're, they're finished there. We'll, we'll talk about that probably later, a little bit later on in the show too once we get through some of these deals. Um, Speaking of uh, teams that went out and bolstered themselves, uh, Anaheim Ducks is a team, they're rich on the blue line, but not so much on the forward complement, but they made a fine addition in my mind, picking up Patrick Eves, who's got 21 goals on the year for Dallas, and all it cost them was a second round pick in uh, the upcoming draft. I think that was a good deal for them. Yeah, I'm a little bit uh, on the other side of the fence for this one, Paul. I mean, the pick could end up being a first round pick. Uh, there's a handful of conditions there, which, which in my opinion, tips the scales of this deal. I mean, Eves is having the, the best season of his career, but at 32 years old, he's also a free agent after this season. I think this makes it a bad rental for a first-round pick. Now, if they don't meet those conditions and it does end up being a second-round pick, I, I think it'll help them. But ultimately, they're trying to win uh, the Stanley Cup this year by making this type of move. And I believe, if I'm uh, recalling correctly, the conditions are an Eastern Conference final appearance. So if they make the Stanley Cup and win it like they're hoping to, or even worse, if they would make it to the Eastern Conference final, then this becomes a first round pick, potentially lose, or Western Conference final, I'm sorry, potentially lose. Then this becomes a first round pick. Then they didn't win the cup. So ultimately, I think the winner for me is Dallas. I think they're getting a second round pick that'll be helpful potentially a first round pick and, and Anaheim may not even win the Stanley Cup and then lose Eves at the end of the year when he might sign with somebody else. Yeah, that's a very real possibility. It really tips it for me. I agree with you on your assessment. Uh, Patrick Eves is a pretty good scorer this year, but I don't think that Anaheim has the room to fit this guy on a contract. He's going to get a bump in salary over the, the current level that he's being paid to. So it just makes me think he's going to want to test free agency, but he's going to go to enjoy the sun in California for a while and maybe a, a decent little playoff run too that could juice his value. So that's the upside for Anaheim and, and Eves. It's a short-term situation for them to see how far they can go in a, in a, in a Western conference that's pretty wide open, I would say. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But certainly he it gives them another piece offensively. That's where they're weak. And uh, they were, they're an anomaly because they're so rich on the blue line. I'd wonder if they're going to move some defensemen out to, to help further their cause offensively too. So they certainly have that advantage over most other clubs. Uh, a minor deal that happened on, on our birthday on 24th, uh, AJ, that was Chicago moving to get Thomas Yurko, uh, from Detroit for a third round pick. Uh, it speaks to the level of, of Yurko that uh, they weren't able to get more at Detroit, I'm thinking, because most of the most of the teams are willing to throw around second picks and even first, but they only had to get, Chicago only had to lose a third round pick, and also Detroit's picking up part of his salary, so uh, they're looking to boost their, their depth offensively, and they didn't really have to pay a lot to do that here. Yeah, I like the move for Chicago. I mean, Yurko's played pretty sparingly in Detroit, um, but the the organization as a whole, not specifically uh, the Blackhawks, but, you know, I'm talking about Rockford, yeah. uh, their AHL affiliate is a little light um, just from all the deals they've made past years to win the Stanley Cup. So I like them being able to boost their depth in the organization a little bit. You know, Detroit used a second round pick to take Yurko, and now they're only getting a third round pick right. in return for him. So I think for me, that makes Chicago the clear winner. 
uh, in this trade, albeit a, a minor trade for both teams. Maybe it's because Detroit has had such little experience in terms of dumping players at the deadline that this didn't work <laughs> out in their favor. I mean, a couple of guys in the head office there must be kind of shaking their heads over this kind of turn feedback and i'm curious to know what they think I'll, I'll probably probe them off the air maybe you will do the same but uh, i i do think chicago did well and uh, this is a team that you got to watch out for in the playoffs and they they added another piece here without spending a lot of money or, or assets uh very minor deal maybe the most minor one on the board uh, so far tampa gets steve fournier from arizona for jeremy moran moran is a guy i know a little bit about he's been involved in a couple of deals around this time of year never really amounted to much uh, even though he has all the requisite skills that you'd like to see he's got some size he's got some speed some scoring touched but just hasn't really put it together at the nhl level could get uh get a little bit more playing time i suppose but uh because of the arizona situation but uh tampa moving out a piece to get a piece maybe they're going to take a look at fournier in a different way i don't know what you have to say about that deal yeah i mean as you mentioned it's basically a minor league deal i i do think that morin has a little more upside um he's scored more in in the ahl than yeah. than fournier has and as you mentioned he does have the nhl contest under his belt and this could just be a case where both these guys just need a change of scenery change of coaching um and it could benefit both of them in the long term if, if i have to pick a winner here i'm going to give the edge to arizona just because i do think morin has slightly more upside but i think this could be a win-win for both guys or it could be a bust for both as well um, it could go either way, I think. Yeah, I think if we come back to this one down the road, it means that somebody really surprised us one way or the other. But I don't expect much from either of these players. And that's why I rank it the least interesting trade among the ones that we'll discuss today that have happened so far. And one that is kind of a head scratcher for me is the next one. That's L.A. getting Brian Bishop and a fifth round pick in the 2017 draft from Tampa for Peter Budai and Eric Cernak and a seventh round pick in 2017. Look, this gives uh, L.A. two first-string starters, and Jonathan Quick just came back into the lineup. Uh, so I'm not really sure. They took on a big salary, too, in Brian Bishop. I don't think he's the keeper in the offseason. Do you? It's obvious to me that Quick is their man. So this is kind of an insurance in case Quick kind of maybe falls apart the rest of the way I see it. And, and then uh, they have Bishop to dangle at the expansion draft, so maybe that's another consideration. For Tampa, they've added a goalie who's proved himself uh, as a first, a f- capable first-string guy, and he'll battle, battle Vasilevsky. I'll tackle that name for us this week. And, <laughs> and uh, so that gives them an interesting tam- uh, tandem in Tampa, and I wonder which way it's going to go in terms of who's going to get the lion's share of the games down the stretch as they kind of fan their uh, fading playoff hopes. And they're also, they also got Eric Zarnick and a seventh pick in the deal there. So uh, how do you break this, de- this deal down from your perspective, A.J.? Well, yeah, I agree, Paul. This was a confusing one when I when I heard about it. I mean, as as you highlighted, it, it could be L.A. expansion, although Bishop's not under contract for next season. So they'd have to re-sign him right. in order to expose him to the draft. So even that aspect doesn't make a ton of sense. As You know, the fact that they are losing him, uh, I think makes this seem like it is just an insurance policy. They want to make sure they have a number one in case quick re-injures himself or struggles to get back to form. But for me, that's an expensive insurance policy. Yeah. I mean, I think Peter Budai could have done just fine for them. You know, uh, Cernak is actually a solid uh, defensive prospect. It looks like he's got three goals and 14 assists and 41 outings down in the OHL. So, I mean, he looks like he could be something as well. And then to give up, you know, the seventh round pick, there's also a 20, another conditional pick that there's a whole bunch of convoluted reasons that they would get a, a, a second pick out of this deal. Um, but so for me, I think just the confusing aspect of it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, maybe they're just that worried about whether or not Quick can hold on for the rest of the year. I don't foresee them re-signing Bishop next year just because like we said, they have a number one in, in quick. You're not going to do two number ones uh, intentionally like they have down in Pittsburgh. I mean, they stumbled into that one um, with how well Murray performed. So I don't really get it. I don't love it. The one uh, comment I saw out there yesterday was that maybe the Kings are trying to stack all of the U.S. netminders in one place. <laughs> so they just have to add Corey Schneider from New Jersey to make that possible. So um, <laughs> that could be the only uh, thing that makes sense here 
for me, the winner is Tampa. Definitely. They, they get something rather than nothing by trading Bishop. They get some cap relief as well. I think they've got, uh, as you mentioned, potentially a number one in Budai, but at worst case, a solid backup to Vasilevsky. Uh, and as I mentioned, Sarnak seems to be a solid prospect. So I think Tampa's the clear winner in this deal. I don't know why Los Angeles even approached this subject in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. This is one of the more lopsided ones that took place. And really, I have to wonder if somebody put a gun to their heads in L.A. to make this deal uh, in any way, shape or form. It I can't see it making sense at all. So big win for Tampa and Steve Eisenman just proving once again what a shrewd guy he is when it comes to moving players around and and getting out from tough situations. He's given himself some cap flexibility here and uh, they, may, they may be able to take on some salary or make a couple other moves because of this deal too. Remains to be seen over the next 24 hours, I suppose. And then uh, on another another deal that happened on the 26th of February, that's Minnesota. Really, I think this was one of the better deals on the board, too, for them. They picked up Marty Hansel and then Ryan White, two guys that add some size and a little physicality to this mix. Uh, they're already a tough team to handle, I think. They also got a fourth-round pick from Arizona for Grayson Downing, a first in 2017, a second in 2018, and a conditional fourth in 2019. So they did give up some future picks and some high ones. But this is a team, make no mistake, they're getting ready for a, a big run in the playoffs. They know they're going to run into the likes of Chicago or St. Louis, and that means that they better be armed, and they did arm themselves, A.J., yeah, and I think there's no arguing that Minnesota gave up a lot here. Yeah. But you look at Grayson Downing, he still hasn't made his NHL debut despite putting up 40 points last season uh, in the minors. And it's just due to the wealth of forward depth in Minnesota. Um, you know, the Wild are certainly in a win-now situation. Hansel has 26 points. He could definitely push for 40 now that he's on a somewhat more prolific offense. You know, White, not as strong of a scorer, but he eats up minutes. I have to imagine he'll provide some great uh, fourth line depth once Pominville and Parise get healthy. I doubt he'll still be on that third line, but even uh, even that's a possibility. So they add some solid depth, uh, veteran depth options as well to an already uh, you know really good team. I think Minnesota wins out slightly in this deal because I think it satisfies the requirements of both teams. Minnesota gets what they need to make a deep run. Arizona gets what they need to rebuild that team from the bottom up. So I do think both teams are going to be happy with this deal in the end. I'll pick Minnesota as a winner because it's going to help them potentially grab the Stanley Cup. I like your analysis that this probably looks like the most win-win kind of scenario on the entire board that I see too. I certainly love it in the short term for Minnesota, but you have to be a little wary of what they're uh, accumulating in in Arizona for the upcoming drafts. Minnesota looks like they're armed for the short term and they're going to take a a real good run at things in the postseason with the addition of these two uh, tough customers. And Hansel's a great face-off man too with that big size uh, imposing figure in the middle of the ice for Minnesota. Let's take a look at the next uh, pick. Uh, Speaking of, we hinted at Detroit moving some players. One of the guys that's been bounced around from their organization moved on to Minnesota. Didn't really work out there. That's Timo Pulkinen. This guy was a minor league sensation in the last couple of years, but really hasn't figured it out at the NHL level. And he's going to get another look-see in Arizona as the the Coyotes uh, plucked him from Minnesota for future considerations. Look, this guy scored at the minor league level. If he can figure it out at the NHL level, he's another guy that I I love love the size, love the skill, and uh, he has yet to put it all together. But uh, you can't teach scoring, and that's what this guy can do. Well, yeah, and I mean, for Arizona, they need to basically throw everything at the wall and see what sticks here. <laughs> um, and and I don't I don't hate the deal for them either. I do think, as you mentioned, he's a, a minor league talent that that could pan out. Um, the fact that it's future considerations, they're not giving up a ton. Um, but you know, I give the edge on this one to Minnesota. They claimed uh, Polkinen off of waivers at the start of the year, so they got him for nothing. They've barely played him. Uh, he is having a decent season in, in Iowa. And as long as they get something for him, 
they basically got you know free draft picks whether it's a seventh round sixth round as long as they get something out of uh, Arizona at the end it's an improvement for what they had to pay for him in the first place so I think Minnesota is the winner here we'll see you know if he ends up blowing up and becoming a, a star down in Arizona they might regret it a little bit but I have to imagine some of those future considerations are tied to whatever um, he might turn into so then at that point Minnesota might get even better uh, compensation for it so I, I think this is another good deal all around these two teams are complementing each other well for what they're both looking to do um, but I do think Minnesota gets a slight edge as they'll get a draft pick out of nothing you know what I wonder when they say future considerations it could be a cat for the owner's son or whatever I, <laughs> I, I'm a little wary I want to know more about that information before I decide on who the winner is here and and I'll say Polkinen might be down to his last chance if he can't make it in Arizona he's not going to be an NHLer I don't think so pressure's on him to deliver now and he should get a decent shot at an audition in Toronto, uh, the Leafs picked up Brian Boyle from Tampa for Byron Fraze and a second-round pick. That seems like a bit of a high price to me for a guy who's 32 years old, one of the better face-off men that, that's out there and available on the market, and a real signal to me that the Leafs have shifted their long-range game into a bit of a short-term one here to see if Boyle can help these guys down the stretch for a playoff run because, boy, they've been exposed in the face-off circle the last couple of weeks. It's really cost this club in some tough situations, and I think they were they were sensing they can't afford to continue to go down this street because otherwise you're going to see Mike Babcock's hair color change in, in right before <laughs> our eyes. So uh, really, I think it was born out of necessity, and I hope that it doesn't turn out to look like be a panic move because Boyle is a rental right now and needs to be re-signed. And, and uh, I think on the open market, he's going to command a pretty decent salary because of the mix of skills that he brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, Paul, I'll defer to you a little bit on, on Freeze, but he seems like a decent prospect. He's got 39 points in 48 outings this year, you know, and with, you know, we've both been high on the way that Toronto have been rebuilding the franchise, and it definitely seems like a reach for me just to get a taste of the postseason. I mean, they're not even a, a lock to make the postseason right now, so I, I don't like this move. They've rebuilt, uh, you know, the right way, I, I think. And to kind of bring in this rental, this, you know, vet rental uh, at the price they're giving up for him. I mean, if they had thrown in maybe a different, younger, uh, you know, less proven prospect, maybe a third round instead of a second, then maybe I could see this deal. But I just don't know why Toronto wanted to make that. I, I really do think it is a, oh, boy, we could make the playoffs like we have to go for it. Yeah. When, you know, the fans have shown that, in my opinion, at least you're a little closer there, but I feel like the fans have shown patience, shown their willingness to, you know, to suffer through some tougher seasons. And I don't think anybody would have gotten, you know, all over management if they had allowed them not to make the postseason. It seems like a panic move to me. I, I don't like it. I do think Tampa gets the better end of this deal because they probably would lose Boyle. Uh, they're hard up against the cap. He's going to want a little more money. So I think they were going to lose Boyle anyway. So I give the win to Tampa. I don't like this move for Toronto at all. Well, I'm going to temper your thoughts with my own here. I do think Tampa was smart to get rid of some salary here, and they've given some, themselves some great roster flexibility with the two moves that they made yesterday, including this one. But Boyle, to me, is an indicator, coming to Toronto, is an indicator that the Leafs realize that they're close to getting in the playoffs. And wouldn't it be something to get these young kids some early experience in this rebuild? And maybe that's what they're trying to do here, is just to see if they can squeak in and if Boyle can help them, because it'd be a real good experience experience for this young club to get that taste of postseason uh, atmosphere and so that's where I think they're going here I don't think you'll see another deal of this sort by the Leafs at the deadline it's kind of dipping your toe in the water to see if they can kind of squeeze in there and and if Boyle can help and if he does and he does well I can see the Leafs re-signing him and and really insulating the bottom six in terms of the the center position and and the importance of of uh, being good on the draw is something that he, we're going to see from him so I'm not uh, as down on on this deal as as I was initially when I started to think about it phrase for me is not a prospect that's going to make the grade in Toronto anytime soon so he was expendable He's had a couple of kicks at the cat. Really didn't show me anything. Uh, second round pick, that's a bit of a high uh, return, I think. So uh, both sides here could, uh, could say that they made out well if the Leafs make the playoffs, but that's a big if right now. 
Dallas and Montreal hooked up on a deal that broke up the brother combination in, in uh, Dallas. The Ben brothers are separated. Jordy Ben going to Montreal, giving them some more depth on the blue line. That's the second move the Canadians have made in recent weeks to fortify the back end. This is a club that's going to be in the playoffs, and I already told you what I think about the need to fortify. It's a war of attrition. I'll use that again. And Montreal did what they needed to do. They got rid of Greg Patteron, who's been a, a spare part for them for a while. And, and, uh, they also gave up a fourth-round pick. So I think, in all in all, uh, Montreal gets a serviceable defenseman. They didn't have to pay a lot to do so. So I'm going to say Montreal gets the edge here for me. Yeah, I would agree, Paul. I, I think Ben is the better-known commodity between the two. Uh, you know, Pattern uh, has never played more than 40 games in his four NHL seasons. Uh, and Ben's also more productive in the offensive end. He's got 15 points. You know, I, I'm not convinced that he's going to be an everyday starter for them. They, they've got some younger talent that they do appear to want to kind of test out uh, in Nikita Nesterov. And, and, but uh, I, I think he'll be a solid, at least depth addition. If he's not starting, I think that fourth round pick becomes a little bit of a high price uh, to pay. Um, but overall, I think they get the better of the two defensemen. So I do give the edge to Montreal on this deal. And now uh, we come to the second last trade was Jonathan Dolan. When I saw this go acro- across the crawl, I thought it was Jonathan Drewen at first. So I was pretty excited. But then it was Vancouver <laughs> making the move. And uh, they got this kid from Ottawa. And they sent Alex Burroughs packing. Now, Burroughs has been a guy who's been on the Vancouver scene for a number of years. And he gets a new lease on life with a team that's going to likely make the playoffs. And this is the kind of guy that you need in the playoff derby. A uh, guy who plays it physical, who has a bit of a scoring touch. So I like like this move for Ottawa I I actually am not as high on it Paul I, I do think Burroughs is a solid you know depth addition to the Sen, uh, Senators as they make that postseason run and I don't know a ton about Dallin I, I did some quick research he's just 19 years old he's got 24 goals and 18 assists in 44 games in in the Swedish league for me though the kicker here is the two-year five million dollar extension that Ottawa gave to Burroughs that's just too much for the 35-year-old. I, I don't like the the amount. I don't like the, the extra years on here. And so I think because of that contract extension, I give the edge to Vancouver in this one. They, they got rid of Burroughs uh, rather than losing him at the end of the year. They're not the ones on the hook for that, that contract uh, extension there. So I, I think that's really the kicker for me. Uh, if it had been maybe a one-year rental for Ottawa and they hadn't given up, uh, that additional two-year extension, then I might give them the edge, but I, I don't like the deal that they got stuck with here. Yeah, you mentioned the guy's 35 years old, and that's a lot of money to pay for him, but it's not my money, so uh, I'm thinking they're, <laughs> they're lining up for a shot at the playoff run, and look, at that Atlantic division is wide open. Uh, there's not a dominant team in there. You can't tell me that Montreal is so head and shoulders above everybody else. I mean, Ottawa's got the best win percentage right now. So maybe they're just saying, let's take a shot at things because they've got Dion Phaneuf there. They've got, got a couple of older pieces. They're saying maybe this is a chance to do a real good playoff run and give their fans something for uh, their loyalty to this organization that really hasn't delivered when it comes to the springtime tournament. So uh, getting Burroughs a short-term is a good move for Ottawa. I don't like the contract extension. I agree with you there. All right, this one, this one, last trade probably had you uh, sitting up late last night with the sweats. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Washington gets Kevin Shattenkirk from St. Louis for a 2017 first-round pick. They even got Phoenix Copley, a, a pretty good goalie prospect, in the deal. So I, I think they, they really made out like bandits. I mean, St. Louis, for their part, does get a first-round pick, a conditional second and forwards Zach Sanford and Brad Malone. So they did; they weren't without a pretty good return here. But boy, Washington went out and got the big fish. And really, this is, when you measure this deal, you also got to consider they got them, and the Penguins and the Rangers did not. So in their division, they really took a giant leap forward ahead of their competition, I think, when we look at things as, as they line up for the postseason. Your slant on this. Yeah, I mean, we're we're talking about, in my opinion, the biggest chip coming off the boards here. And, and I would bet there were several teams that were kind of waiting to see if they could get Shattenkirk. You mentioned the Penguins and the Rangers both being in there. Uh, so now I think the rest of the dominoes will start, start to fall today. Uh, for the Capitals, they get a scoring D-man, something they've been extremely lacking. I mean, just by joining the team, he's got the most points on their blue line already. 
Uh, and Copley, I think, is more of an insurance to losing Grubauer. Both are free agents after the season, so I would expect one or both of them to get a deal that'll satisfy the expansion draft rules that require you to have a goalie under contract that can be exposed. They're obviously going to protect Braden Holpe. You know, Sanford has shown some promise at Boston College. Uh, they also got Brad Malone, who figures to be, you know, kind of a veteran grinder for their AHL team. So while I do think St. Louis got some pieces and, and the draft picks will be, you know, key as well, this is a clear uh, advantage to, to Washington. And, you know, I think they were just able to, to find the best deal, the best uh, combination here. And they knew that the Blues were kind of up against it. Everybody's known that Shattenkirk is going to be gone at some point before the trade deadline. That's been something that's been talked about, I think, since last season. And so he was going to go somewhere. Washington, I think, probably just edged out a, a better deal. You know, maybe there's something about Sanford or Malone that that the Blues organization covets. They like one of the one or both of those guys more than you know pieces that the Rangers or Penguins were willing to offer. So, uh, but I do think Washington's a clear winner in this one. I think this will give them an edge for for a postseason run. They're already a formidable team. You add blue line scoring, they're going to be a tough out for whoever gets stuck with them in in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I think St. Louis did the best they could here, AJ. They obviously set up a pretty nice auction with teams in the in the Metropolitan Division vying primarily for his services. We know that this is a very likely a rental situation. I don't see him re-signing in Washington. It'll be interesting to see in the offseason where he goes, but he's going to be a very wealthy young man with a pretty good profile as he gets to go on the center stage in the postseason and maybe he comes out of it with a ring. So uh, for Washington, it's very much a short-term deal for St. Louis, a team that it's going to the playoffs and, and always is expected to make some noise, even though they're disappointed in that regard. They got a pretty good haul that might help them transition if and when a rebuild becomes necessary. Which brings me to the question, AJ, of all the deals that have happened so far, do you have one uh, that is a favorite or do you think one team really made out uh, like bandits over the rest of the field here? Yeah, when we first were looking at this, uh, you know, I was going to say that the Hansel White move for Minnesota being the best deal. Uh, and the best fit. I do like that trade for both teams the best. I think that's probably the best win-win scenario, but I have to give Washington the edge in, in getting Shattenkirk. I mean, you talk about your one big uh, glaring uh, gap on your, your lineup, the lack of blue line scoring in that team, not to say any of their defenders are bad. They've got some solid shutdown defensemen who can contribute here and there, but to instantly bring a guy who uh, gives you the ability to score, you know, from the point, uh, he's got over 30 assists already. And that number I'm sure will only go up when he starts feeding it to guys like Ovechkin, uh, and, uh, Bacchus. But so for me, I think that's the team that has done the best so far. We'll see what other trades end up happening, but I doubt there'll be anything quite as big as this one or quite as impactful. And I also have to give, uh, our friend in Tampa, Steve Eiserman, uh, a real pat on the back here because he got rid of some salary took back some assets and really has uh, gotten rid of the last vestiges of any kind of salary cap concerns that they have there they're going to have a little extra money uh, under the cap to deal with some signings that have to take place they'll still be up against it no question and they may not be done dealing so it'll be interesting to see what else they might do as uh, they probably have raised the white flag and and maybe it's indicative and tied to the fact that Steven Stamkos might have, might not even come back there there's some little, little whispers that that's a possibility that he might just sit out the rest of the season too given that they're they might not have anything to play with and they'd rather get him back healthy next year so interesting to watch what else happens in Tampa and does Anaheim deal to their excessive depth on the blue line I don't know if they do but uh, for me I think Washington is the best best uh, in terms of a team that needed to get better and wanted to get better and fortify for the postseason they got the big fish like you said and it's just like any other trade assessment when you look at uh, who, who wins a trade it's the team that gets the best player more often than not and the best player that moved yesterday was Kevin Shattenkirk I don't think there's any doubt and we agree on that one AJ, we're going to switch gears a little bit because we have to give a nod to a second sponsor that's come on board with us. At, that's a Pristine Auction. Uh, this is a group that, that 
does online auctioning, AJ, and they have daily auctions that end nightly with hundreds of lots available. There's tons of stuff for the man cave and always something perfect for every fan. For my money, I've taken a look at the site, and they have stuff from for fans of all of the major, major league sports in North America, and they have some big names from all eras. So there's something for everybody. Uh, authenticity is something they guarantee, and all items come with an authentication from, from very trusted sources. And talk about affordable. I've also checked out the prices here, and uh, most people don't think they can afford some of this stuff, but when you look at it and what they're, what some of the things are going for, it may be more. Af- you might find it's much more affordable than you think. I certainly uh, am getting the sense that that's the case. Uh, I'll also spell it out for you just to make sure you don't get lost here when you're looking for it. It's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. That's pristineauction.com. And uh, I encourage you to go take a look. It's quick and free to register and free to bid. You only pay when you win. So there's a no-lose situation here. You can feel good about getting something of quality and authenticity, and uh, you don't have to blow your brains out money-wise. So I'll also ask you to take a look at the How Did You Hear About Us section of the, of the site. And uh, the, our name, Rotowire, pops up when you do the drop-down. It's important to note this because they also want to track and measure the success of these ads. So do us a favor. If you use us to get to Pristine Auction, don't forget to m- mention where you found out about them. We'll all benefit there. It's a, that's another win-win possibility, AJ. So uh, let's finish up the trade talk, AJ, by, by looking at some of the names in the news I mentioned uh, the Stamkos update that I saw is that he has started skating, but I wonder if they're going to pull back the reins on him now that it looks like they're pulling the shoot on the season. Well, I mean, the, uh, Steve Eisenman was adamant that just because they traded away Bishop, they weren't in a seller's market, that they're still making a postseason run. So as long as they truly believe that, I think they're they're going to let Stamkos continue to work his way back. I do agree, though, if they find themselves out of it, there's no reason to put him back on the ice this season if you don't have to. But if they're right there in contention, uh, he seems to be on track uh, for kind of a, a March uh, return. We'll see what happens. But skating's definitely a good sign. As long as they're still in it, they'll keep working him uh, on his way back. Yeah, I think it's a function of the the weakness of the Atlantic Division relative to the other divisions in hockey. You can get a couple of rounds into the playoffs, and then who knows what can happen. So if they get in there, you'll want to know. You'll want to bet that they're going to pull out all the stops to do it, go as far as they can, and Stamkos will factor in. But if they are down and out in the next couple of weeks, I could see them shutting him down quite easily. What about Colorado, AJ? I'm continuing to be baffled by this club and the fact that they're dangling players. Now, I heard most recently that Matt Duchesne's really anxious to get the heck out of there, and uh, that's not a good sign. When one of your your de facto leaders is, is, is being rather public and open about his, his concerns and considerations, they might have to deal him now that they've opened up this Pandora's box. Yeah, I mean, it's such a disaster there. Can you really blame Duchesne for wanting to go somewhere else? Um, I, I think what, what we're seeing right now is they, they're standing pat, but I, I don't think it's because they don't want to sell off some of these pieces. I think they're waiting to catch teams uh, in the next day or two here you know, that are panicking. You know, I mentioned Shattenkirk's off the board now, so that could uh, you know, cause teams to start to you know, panic or you know, maybe a better deal comes now for some of their pieces. Now that, uh, you know, the Rangers or the Penguins aren't looking at how to get Shattenkirk, they might look at how to get some of these other guys. So I think really they're standing pat just to drive up the price at this point. And I would expect to see them involved in, in several trades over the next few days. Yeah, the guy that's most likely to move, they got to move your, Jerome McGinley. There's no point hanging on to him and seeing what he can get as a rental might be interesting. I wonder if your club might be interested in reuniting Ginla with Crosby. They have had some success on the international stage, and uh, I wonder if that's a ear shake in your head. I can see no, that. No, they, they had him <laughs> once. It didn't work out. I, I don't need to have him come back to Pittsburgh again. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done with the Ginla train. Well, there you go. But I do think there's going to be a team that's going to pony up something to get him. He's just a quality guy that uh, could add something in the dressing room, I do think. And with all the experience that he brings to the table, could help a team get over the top, maybe in a playoff round, with some of the intangibles that he brings to the table. We already talked about L.A. a little bit, but I want some final thoughts on the goaltending situation there. Uh, Jonathan Quick certainly returned to their active roster, and they added Brian Bishop in a deal a couple of days ago, as we said. I don't get it, A.J., you had some time to reflect. What do you think? 
I, I think the organization had, I mean, the only thing you can read into this is that they're concerned about quick, either Quick's durability the rest of the way, that the injury might not be fully healed, or that they, you know, for some reason think he's not going to perform up to snuff, which has me wondering if maybe they think he's come back a little bit too soon and they're thinking they're either going to have to rest him more the rest of the way. They're worried about the amount of rust that he's going to have to shake off here. So some, clearly they're not 100% sold on Jonathan Quick the rest of the way this season. I obviously don't think this is a long-term transition where they're suddenly going to get rid of Quick. Bishop's in here for the end of the year. He'll be gone after that. Um, but it, it, it speaks to some concerns, I think, that the organization has to have about Quick. They're certainly not going to let on to what those are, but I, there's no other way to read into this, in my opinion. AJ, I agree with you, but I, what is the other concern for me is what the heck did Peter Budai do that was so wrong? Statistically, he had a fabulous year, and uh, we, were, we touted him as the stud of the week uh, a couple of weeks ago just because he's among the league leaders in goals against average, wins, shutouts. I mean, the guy did everything that you could ask for from a backup, and now he finds himself in a different locale. I mean, maybe his his opportunity lies in Tampa as a chance to get first the first-line role there against Vasilevsky. So a great opportunity for him as he moves on, but I really don't get it from L.A.'s point of view. Uh, there's another rumor, AJ, that's going to probably rankle you a little bit. The Philadelphia Flyers have a lot of uh, options on defense that are expendable, and Mark Streit, Mark Delzato, uh, Michael Delzato, and uh, Schultz, Nick Schultz on the blue line. The Pens have a need at the back end because I've told uh, we've talked about the injuries that they had back there. Do you expect expect these hardened rivals to deal with one another? I don't, and I I, I really think it does come down to. You know, improving teams in your division is just something that most organizations shy away from. And we see this across all sports. I mean, we talk about rare moves uh, between NFL teams that are in the same division. It, it just doesn't happen. And so I don't expect it to happen. Now, having said that, the minute one of these guys were to cross over from being a flyer to a penguin, they'll suddenly be one of my favorite players instead of my least favorite. Um, but I, I, I don't expect it to happen. If it does, I would be de- definitely be shocked to, to see it. And then I'm shocked to be even talking about a Detroit sell-off, but they have the likes of Sheehan, Vanek, and Smith uh, on the block. I think at least two of these guys have to be moved, and uh, I wonder how that's going to sit with the Detroit fans. It's going to be a signal that there is a bit of a rebuild that's uh, uh, ongoing and under underway. They finally have to look at, at this possibility and uh, just wonder how it's going to sit with a club that's getting ready to move into a new arena and what the profile of this club might be in the next couple of seasons. I mean, any Wings fans that are going to be surprised that their sellers at this point either have aren't really dedicated fans or, or, you know, just have complete blinders on. There's no way that this team's going to make a postseason run. And so to sell off, you know, it's actually not the worst time you can start a a new generation, a new rebuild in the new stadium. Uh, And so there's some continuity to that that I like. And and Vanek has been. Our, both of us have talked about him being the clear target um, to be their prime you know, selling point. Now, here's a guy that I wouldn't mind seeing in Pittsburgh. I, I do think he can offer some talent. I, I've compared him a lot of times to Phil Kessel in the sense that he was much maligned where he was in the past. But once he doesn't have that pressure of being the top guy, uh, which will never happen in Pittsburgh, that's always going to be Sidney Crosby. Uh, I think he can definitely thrive. And so I really think maybe a Vanek Kessel line could be a, a potential and, and a very dangerous uh, potential uh, pairing there. And now I saw in Edmonton a wild bit of speculation that Jordan Eberly might be available. I don't get that one, AJ. This guy to me has, has a very high hockey IQ, and that's something that not everybody has. We talk about the people that have skills, they have a good shot, they can skate well, but this guy's got it between the ears as well, I think. And he just hasn't really put it together this year to, to take off. I thought he was going to be a, a fixture on a, on a wing with McDavid, and that would really promote his scoring totals to a different level. We haven't seen that. He hasn't really been given that much of a chance with their, their new young captain. Is he? Could he possibly be available? I know if he was, the, the reason would be to get a top-flight defenseman in return. I just don't see the fit here, and I don't see the reasoning otherwise. I agree, Paul. I, I would not uh, be in favor of a move like that for them. I, I think they've got, you know, he's part of their young core. He's only 26 years old. Um, his, as you mentioned, his numbers haven't been as great this year as they have in the past, but I think that just comes to adjusting to 
uh, new roles, new situations. And the other thing I'll mention is the the bottom six uh, wingers here are not that uh, not that close to what you would get from Everly. I think uh, losing him would you know result in a significant setback. I do agree they need to get something on defense. Um, but I don't think selling off Jordan Eberle is the answer uh, to shore up that defense. Now, AJ, the trade deadline is uh, tomorrow, March the 1st at 3 o'clock Eastern time. And uh, a number of other names are going to be in the news, I think. Among them, Valtteri Filpola of Tampa, Johnny Oduya, Dmitry Kulikov, Yannick Hansen, Shane Doan, Ryan Miller, and Justin Falk. Of these, do you, who do you think has the biggest chance to have an impact and are there any other names that I might have missed? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think Shane Doan probably would be uh, one of the most impactful moves. Um, you know, I heard that he was a little upset by all of the moves Arizona's making. Um, so that, you know, could certainly strain that relationship. He's another one of those veteran guys that's been with an organization for a long time. I have to imagine he's anxious to, to at least make the postseason and, and, and make a run. Uh, I also think Justin Falk could be a possibility, although he is part of kind of that young core that they're building around in Carolina. So I'm not certain uh, that they'll be willing to move him. And then you mentioned Viteri Filpula. I think if they trade him, that might be your sign that that uh, Tampa Bay is actually picturing itself more as a seller this year than a buyer. Um, I, I think that would be an indicator if they keep him, They think they can make a run. And I'd expect Stamkos to be back if they sell him. I think we've seen the last of season Steven Stamkos this season. Uh, and then the one other player I will mention is Marc-Andre Fleury. There have been a ton of rumblings there uh, about whether or not he goes. He's playing it close to the vest. I mean, this guy has been the ultimate teammate, the ultimate uh, uh, you know player professional there. He has said that he won't divulge anything about his discussions with uh, their GM there. And so I think... Uh, he, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go, but at the same time, maybe they just keep him this year, leave him open to potentially uh, being taken as part of the uh, expansion draft and, and see where the chips fall. I know they like having both guys. I know Flurry loves Pittsburgh, um, but I can't imagine he wants to be a, a, a full-time backup to Matt Murray. So we'll see what happens there. I, I don't have too much insider information as to what may happen, but I do know um, that he is, you know, keeping the lines of communication open over the next 48 hours. Yeah, I'm also interested to see what happens with Vancouver and Ryan Miller. You have to think they want to try and get something for him because his contract's expiring, and he has a pretty high profile around the league as a money goalie, and a team that's looking to fortify their net minding might look in that direction as well. I think if Justin Falk moves, that means that somebody's power play is going to get dramatically better, and uh, special teams do play a factor in the postseason, so that might enhance his value down the stretch. I agree with you, though, that jettisoning him from Carolina is a situation where the, the Hurricanes are an, uh, an improving club. They're a young club, one of the fastest skating clubs top to bottom in the league, and, and this guy is that vital power play quarterback that you'd hate to lose if, if you've got something that's growing there, too. So I'll be interested to see what happens to him. Dmitry Kulikov, another defenseman that I did name, a big guy with some size. He was a, formerly a high draft pick things really haven't worked out to the extent that i expected for him and his career maybe a new setting setting is what he requires he's a guy that's going to test the the free agent market in the off season as well so a guy that i'll be looking at uh, to see where he lands but could be an interesting rental piece aj we uh, also have incorporated FanDuel uh, lineups into our tuesday program using the FanDuel prices for tonight's games and we have a dozen games on tap for tonight. We're going to go forward and build our, our lineups and compare them with what the optimizer has. But why don't we take a look at the games that are on the slate for tonight and uh, prepare to build our FanDuel groups. We'll start with Arizona going to Boston, where the Bruins are a real heavy favorite, the biggest favorite on the board with a minus 315 and the over-under set at 5.5 for that 7 o'clock start. Nashville's a favorite on the road in Buffalo, where they're a minus 140 with a 5.5 over-under against the Sabres. The new-look Washington Capitals go up against one of their arch enemies, the Rangers in New York. The Rangers are a 120 favorite. Uh, with the over-under set at five and a half. I wonder if that's going to change before tonight, knowing now that Shattenkirk may well play for the Caps this evening. 
Colorado visits Philadelphia where the Flyers are a minus 225, a heavy favorite with the over-under set at five and a half. The neither of these teams is a playoff team right now, so that speaks to just how bad Colorado is when you see the long odds here. Montreal in the second of back-to-backs hosts Columbus, a team that's kind of fallen back in the pack a little bit in that metropolitan division still a very tough team and they've embarrassed the canadians a couple of times in recent out- outings and uh, so they could be looking to do another number on the habs i sure hope so at the 7:30 start time and then finally before i hand it over to you carolina visits florida where the panthers are minus 145 with the over under set at five for that 7:30 tip yeah so the later games uh starting at eight o'clock edmonton travels to st louis the blues are favorited just by a little minus 130 uh, with a five over under there minnesota coming off a back-to-back uh travel to winnipeg uh, so that could be a little bit of a tough uh tough game for them uh having to to travel up to edmonton and being on a back-to-back uh and then pittsburgh minus 150 a six over under in that one against dallas and I will point out to our listeners, this is usually the only time we see an over-under above five and a half. It, it almost seems inevitable that whoever's playing Dallas has a, uh, a six over-under in that game. So it's always expected to be a goal fest there. Uh, L.A., another team coming off a of back-to-back. They're minus 110, so just slight favorites against Calgary. Uh, five is the over-under on that one. And then our later games, uh, Detroit travels to Vancouver. The Canucks, a slight edge again at minus 115, a five over under. And then the last game of the night, uh, your Maple Leafs traveling to San Jose with the Sharks favorited uh, minus 150 and a five and a half over under. That's a 1030 start. All right, AJ, let's uh, go through and build our lineups before we take it to the fan, uh, FanDuel optimizer. Uh, who do you have starting out at center? Well, I'm going to go take advantage of that six over under, and I expect most of those to come from Pittsburgh. So at center, I'm going to do it again this week. I know I did uh, last week as well. I'm going to go Sid and Gino. Uh, Crosby's 9,000. Malkin's 8,600. I'm going to spend big here. I swear to to everybody that listens and, and hears my Penguins picks every week, if we have one of these shows on a day where the Penguins are playing a good team, I promise I won't stack them like I normally have been. But it seems like every time we're recording one of these pods, they're playing teams that leak goals. That's definitely the case in Dallas. They're uh, the second, uh, giving up the second most goals of any team in the league. The Penguins are scoring the most goals of any team in the league. So I think stacking them tonight uh, is a good idea, and I'm going to start with both of the big centers down the middle. Uh, Paul, what did you do? Man, I thought I was a big homer, but I got good company <laughs> here. And you're 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 gonna you're justifying it very well. I think it's a very solid matchup. So if you can fit these guys both in, that's the challenge. It'll be curious to see how you fill out the rest of your roster. I'm going to go with Claude Giroux. This guy has really struggled. Uh, a front line player, one of the top players in season long drafts, who's really had a tough go of it. But he seems to be sla- snapping out of it a little bit of late. And, and I've watched him kind of closely to, to make that evaluation because I have him in, on my season-long roster and I'm wondering what to do with him. But I do see signs that things are, are maybe turning around for a guy who's just too good to be uh, struggling. He's got a $6,800 price tag. It's down from where we're used to seeing him. But he gets a really tasty matchup with Colorado providing the opposition. And I'm counting on that factor to to really get him excited and possibly score to get off the schneid there so i'll pair him with ryan johansson a guy who i've been on for a couple of weeks and uh, i like the price tag there at sixty three hundred dollars for a guy who plays first line minutes you don't find that kind of value and a pretty favorable matchup as well when we're talking about the opponent tonight too so the nashville goes to buffalo and i don't uh, don't fear the sabers at all uh, given the nashville uh, offense and their possibilities so i like the two centers that i'm able to ice tonight a little cheaper than yours uh the four wingers that you pick aj all right, so I'm going to start off with uh, uh, Thomas Vanek at 5,000. I think he's going to be motivated uh, to play tonight. I, I do expect big things out of him. He he knows he's playing to find his new uh, landing spot. And Vancouver have been uh, a weaker team, so I think this is a good night to take advantage of some of the Detroit players. Uh, and then I'm going to go with uh, Chris Kunitz for the pittsburgh uh, penguins again i'm going to highlight a, a one other penguin i'm definitely stacking them tonight he's 4700 should get that top line assignment alongside Sidney crosby uh, and then frank vetrano for boston at 4600 yes he's down on their third line um, but i do like 
kind of taking who at least one guy who's playing Arizona almost on a nightly basis just because they're such a down team. I, I think it's a good way to find value. Uh, and then my last winger for 4,200, Jake Genzel, another Penguin, but again, a, another top-line Penguin who's going to play along Sidney Crosby. He's shown he's got the ability to score. I think with Sid on his line, I, I think that top line is a, is a great group of guys to, uh, to stack together tonight. Paul, what did you do for your wingers? Well, first, I got to say it's very two very affordable Penguins that you added in there and makes good sense anytime you're playing with one of the best players in the history of the game. For, and uh, you get them at the, this low price. You got to go with those guys, a favorable matchup as well. So I love those picks for sure. I went with Philip Forsberg to begin my uh, winger compliment. One of the hottest sticks out there in, in the entire league. Sometimes you got to go with the hot player, or the hot hand. Uh, I, I like that uh, to counter the fact that I went with a guy who's cold as ice and Giroux. I spent 7600 to get Forsberg in the lineup. And then I, I dipped into the pe- Penguins pool of talent too for tonight's game. I picked Phil Kessel. This guy's going to feast on the opportunities that are provided tonight. And I think in this, this lopsided matchup, he's a guy who, who could be a go-to uh, scoring opportunity there too and i know uh, the next guy is a guy that you've liked all season long jonathan march assault of, of the florida panthers he's uh, moved from first to third second line all over the place but one thing he's done consistently is score and i'm counting on that to continue for the 4900 hundred dollar price tag if i go into the value territory this is one guy that i feel pretty confident about throwing in tonight and i'll partner him with with uh, Marcus Johansson of Washington at $4,700. This guy plays first-line power play minutes with the Caps, a power play that's going to be even more dynamic with the addition of Kevin Shattenkirk. And even if Shattenkirk doesn't make it in the lineup tonight, uh, John, John Carlson's a pretty good guy to, to drive things there. And don't forget who else Johansson plays out there with uh, the Ovi and Backstrom and company there. They got a lot of talent. And this guy's the unsung guy, but he's on the verge of a 20-goal season. And I'll take a bite out of him for $4,700 into my lineup tonight on defense you've got one guy who's made the news today in the last 24 hours yeah i've got kevin shattenkirk for 5600 now uh, i'm gonna remind our listeners that you need to definitely check uh FanDuel's rules regarding traded players um before you use them in any of your lineups you don't want to get stuck with a guy getting a zero now based on what i've uh, seen Shattenkirk should be eligible to score points tonight um, but over the next two days you're going to want to definitely monitor that if you're going to use any traded players um, I think he's going to find himself right at home in Washington I expect him to hit the ground running there and uh, should be a good night for him and then I'm also going to go over to your Leafs uh, Jake Gardner has been absolutely on fire of late he is projected to be on the second line, but that's definitely not going to scare me away at 4,700. He's worth all the points he's been uh, tabulating of late. I think he's a great uh, value pick in that price range. Uh, so those are my blue liners. Paul, what did you do for the back end? Well, I had Gardner in there initially, too. Maybe you stole him from me. I'm not sure how that, that <laughs> went down, but uh, I think you made the great case for him. I, I just, to be different, uh, replaced him with Colton Pareko of St. Louis. I like the fact that now he's going to step up in terms of a role that was abandoned by Shattenkirk, and I expect this guy, big, skilled player with all the tools, to really take up the role that was left behind by his departed uh, former teammate and for $4,700 you get him at a real good price point this guy's going to be a dominant part of the Blues blue line going forward particularly on the offensive side of the puck so for me this is a really good value play and then one guy I've been on all season long is Matt Dunn but whenever I get a chance to put this guy in I love the fact that he's on Minnesota a team that's insulating him and really allowing him to to develop his skills and his game and he's come an awful long way this year and still he's kind of underrated I think at $4,200 so I get two cheap but talented defensemen for a total of $8,900. I'm pretty thrilled about those those choices. And in the Nets, we have a lot of confirmations about goalie starters, so we can feel, feel pretty confident about the guys that we've picked. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jonathan Quick uh, in goal for 8600 He's going up against Calgary. Uh, we talked about Los Angeles having just a slight edge in this matchup, um, but I think Quick can be the solid you know, netminder that they expect him to. He did have a rough last outing but that was against Minnesota. Everybody struggled against them so far this season. So I'm, I'm expecting a, a good night from him. Now, certainly if, if more information comes out about, you know, concerns about him, you know, after the, the Bishop trade, uh, I might decide to, to tweak this, but I'm pretty confident he'll be in tonight and should be a, a solid play going forward. Paul, what did you do for your backstop? 
Well, I, have I mentioned that I don't like the Canadians? I, I think I've mentioned that a couple of times. So I'm going to pick Sergei Bobrovsky. He became one of my favorite players, along with this team becoming one of my favorite teams, just because they've waxed the Canadians a couple of times in recent matchups. And I look for that trend to continue. I think this is just a bad matchup for Montreal. Columbus has too much size for the Canadians, and, and uh, they have a skill advantage, too, when you measure them up. So I, I, don't, I know Terry, Carey Price is at the other end of the rink, but I, I just don't see how he steals this one away from a Columbus team that I think is still better than the home side tonight. So I'm pretty confident putting $8,600 down on uh, Spavrovsky. But please check your starters and your lineups before before you uh, come back to us and say, hey, you guys led us astray. We're going with the best information we have available. And we'll remind you to take a look at all the tools that are available on RotoWire. And why don't, we, why don't we talk about the best tool of them all, I think, is the Rotowire Optimizer, where you can monkey around with your preferences and then, then uh, see what the lineup optimizer spits out. And tonight, let's go through what it says, AJ. What do you think uh, on the Rotowire Optimizer side? Are you able to tell us what your thoughts are for that uh, lineup this evening? Yeah, absolutely. So I did, uh, I did monkey around with some of those systems that you mentioned. I set it to only give me guys who are going to be on the third line or higher tonight. Um, it's under the, the filters and projection systems, a, a tweak that you can make to, to play around with what it gives you. So uh, with that uh, going forward, it likes Pittsburgh against Dallas. So the optimizers got Sid the kid in at 9,000. And then uh, Matt Duchesne, a player we talked about a little bit disgruntled in Colorado. That might shy me away from him, uh, you know, a little bit. But at 5,200, he's a solid option. He plays on the power play as well. Uh, for wingers, it's going with a little bit of a San Jose stack against uh, your Maple Leafs with Joe Pavelski at 7,500 and Thomas Hurdle at 4,800. I'm constantly surprised uh, by Hurdle's price tag there. I, I, I definitely think that's a little low. Uh, which is probably why the optimizer has them in there. I mentioned finding opportunities to use uh, Detroit uh, when they're playing somewhat down teams. So the optimizer has them in uh, with Dylan Larkin against Vancouver for 4,300. And then rounding out the wingers, Peter uh, Serlak of Boston going against Arizona. He's just 3,200. That's definitely a matchup pick. In my opinion, he's projected to be on their second line. So we'll definitely be playing with some of their better known names. Uh, defensively, it's got Brent Burns for San Diego at 8,500. Uh, that's you know going to be in here on most nights. He's he's consistently putting up numbers, so he's kind of worth that price tag. And then pairing him up with Cameron Gauntz of Pittsburgh, uh, he's a third line player. He's just 3,000. Uh, if he's still in the lineup, I, I wouldn't guarantee that he is quite yet. But you're taking advantage of that Dallas matchup. Could be an opportunity for him to pot one. And then finally, the optimizer rounds it out with Matt Murray and goal for 9,400. Now, that's a, a steep price, but with how leaky Dallas is, it's definitely a, a winnable game. And uh, they could definitely do do some damage down in down in Dallas tonight. AJ, we want to also give our thanks to our first sponsor that came on board, and that's FanDuel, with a reminder that baseball is just around the corner, folks. Don't get stranded on first base without a Rotowire subscription, and don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire to claim it. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible, though. Users may only establish one account on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. We remind you also to join us on Thursdays when we take a fuller look at line of options in the NHL version of the DFS sports pods that Roadwire puts out every day for all sports. We cover NBA DFS on, Mon- on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays as well as today. I'll be doing a second one right after this with uh, Dan Bruno, so uh, make sure you look for that as well. And uh, now we lean toward the home stretch of this episode with our stud of the week, AJ, you came up with a guy who is a familiar name to anybody who knows anything about hockey. Yeah, it's got to be Jonathan Taves this week. I mean, he's got 18 points in his last 10 games, which has powered the Hawks to a 9-1-0 record over that stretch. And they're suddenly just one point behind the Wild for the Central Division title. Uh, Clearly, this team is not going to just roll over and, and let Minnesota walk away with it. And it all starts with Taves right now. He's been absolutely phenomenal of late. I don't think there's a better pick, in my opinion, for stud of the week. He's he's almost averaging two points a night over the last 10 games. 
And so I expect him to be a big piece of, of a late season run for these guys. Now, I hope I didn't, he didn't hear me say that for uh, a couple of weeks ago. For a player with a well-earned rep as a leader, he's not a big-time scorer like some of the other guys around the league. Boy, has he become a big-time scorer again down the stretch for this club. He's on fire, like you said, and he's re- getting playoff ready just like he does every year. And that's big trouble for every other team in the league. This guy, for my money, is the best leader in the game right now. And when he's scoring like he is, he just makes himself that much better and, and more valuable to the team. So uh, nobody wants to play the Hawks early or even late in the playoffs. Uh, they're hoping somebody else can do the dirty work. And this is a, one of the big reasons why you don't want to face an ornery Jonathan Taves who's on the top of his game like he is right now. Uh, we'll turn our attention to the rant of the week, AJ. And uh, for me... Broken sticks. Uh, this is an issue that we see time and again all season long, that they're becoming more and more of a factor in, in the play and, and even the penalty calling. I'm one guy who thinks that just because somebody breaks your stick, he t- shouldn't automatically get a slashing penalty because the way these twigs are breaking, it's like snapping toothpicks in some cases. A light little tap and the stick goes, explodes. And I, I don't get why that should be a slashing penalty. We see a lot of slashes where the sticks don't break that don't get called. And it's just maybe a, a weak area of the stick, stick that needs to be examined. Uh, I wonder why the league hasn't really taken a longer look at this. With all the enhancements in equipment, we, we, we wonder why the sticks are breaking so easily. And, you know, I see players set up to shoot. The stick breaks just on the slapper or even a wrist shot and, and even on a, on a one-timer opportunity. The re- result is not just a scoring, a lost scoring chance, but sometimes it can result in a quick two-on-one chance going the other way. So, you know, you can break your stick on a follow-through and, and then the other team goes the other way, scores. The quality of sticks has to be addressed. I don't know why it's not become such a, a bigger story and, and what's going to happen uh, with it going forward. I'm just very concerned about this, this tendency that we're seeing. Yeah, I agree, Paul. I, the other thing to you know point out is with how much torque these guys put on the stick, it easily could be broken. Just it's not, you know, all the way through. There's a little bit that keeps it together. And then the tap of somebody else comes along and it's that final, you know, that straw that breaks the camel's back, right. if you will. And so there's no way of knowing if these sticks are already broken or not uh, with how much, you know, torque they put on there. I mean, some of these pictures of guys firing off these one-timers and and slap shots, I mean, the stick's practically at a 90-degree angle to begin with. (laughs) So, I mean, to to expect that they're not going to have situations where it's already broken uh, and then the the tap comes, I won't even call it a slash, uh, automatically being a penalty. I agree, Paul. It's, It's detrimental to the game. And as you pointed out, there have been a handful of guys that have picked up injuries, uh, you know, broken thumbs, broken fingers from slashes that go uncalled because they were on the gloves and didn't result in a broken stick. I think that's probably a bigger concern that the NHL should be worried about rather than a stick simply breaking being on automatic penalty. Yeah, AJ, that's a fine thing to to point out. I mean, with all the enhancements that we've seen uh, in other equipment, the goal equipment particularly, I guess, I'm just a little disappointed that the primary thing that uh, you think about in hockey other than the puck is a stick. Why haven't the, hasn't the quality of the sticks improved with the quality of all the equipment uh, the, the players wear? I don't get it. And Anyway, we will uh, look forward to the trade deadline tomorrow and we'll review the trades that have gone down in our next pod. We'll maybe spend a little bit of time on Thursday, but certainly you can get a more detailed look by coming back to us next Tuesday when we come back with the next episode of PuckCast. So that wraps it up this week for podcast with Statsman and AJ. We remind you to send our your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We ask you to look out for podcast Hockey Pod every week so that you can get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.